Hey, good morning. Hey, if you're new, I'm Charlie, the lead pastor here. Man, we're really glad that you are worshiping with us today. We are in um, a series on Abraham. We started a few weeks ago, and um, with him kind of in this, this crazy situation where God tells him to kind of pack up everything, leave his homeland, and go to this place that I'll show you at some point. Uh, which is, you know, for a guy who has no idea w- where he's going or what that place will be like when he gets there and to leave everything that he knows. I mean, it's this incredible act of faith. And the Bible just kind of praises him cover to cover for his tremendous ability to just trust, take that first crazy big step of trust and faith with God. And we talked about that. You know, God's got all of us on a faith journey. And for a lot of us, man, sometimes it's that first step that's the hardest. I'm going to make a decision to say that I'm going to put my faith and trust fully in God. And I'm going to go where he says go, and I'm going to do what he says to do, and I'm going to be who he calls me to be. And I'm going to, I'm going to step out and do that. But he does, and it's an incredible thing. And I think sometimes we, um, I think I felt this way a little bit when I was younger, when I was little. It was like, like, like I feel like we kind of get these sanitized, I got these sanitized versions of Bible stories. You know, and then Abraham did what God said, and he was great and perfect, just like all Bible characters are. Yay! Like, I mean, it was, and it's, but it's not like that. I mean, he makes this incredible act of faith, but then, man, it's the journey that gets him. And sometimes that's so true for us. It's like, man, I can, I can take this initial step of faith with God, but my, my journey is killing me. And so we've seen this over the last couple of weeks. Two weeks ago, Mark was talking to us, and um, we just see this the obstacles start to come and come in their way. And, and sometimes we think, man, if I follow God, everything's going to be perfect. And it didn't take Abraham long to figure out that's not true. There was a famine in this awesome promised land that God had given him. Man, you think God's going to take you to this special place, and then there's no food when you get there. And so rather than continuing to trust in God, he makes up his own plan, and things go poorly just like you would expect. And so, not knowing how to deal with obstacles, that was his first challenge. The second one is he just becomes impatient. They're waiting for God. He's waiting for God. The promise was, I'm going to make you into this great nation. But if you're going to be a great nation with all these great ancestors, it's got to start with having a kid. He didn't have a kid. And so they were waiting and waiting and waiting, and God wasn't fulfilling that promise. He's like, well, maybe we, we have to do something different. So rather than continuing to wait and trust, they become impatient. And Sarah comes up with this plan where Abraham will have a, have a child through her handmaiden. So he goes and has sex with, with her maid, which, that's terrible. It's awful, and it went bad in every way you can imagine, plus three or four more ways. It was just bad. It was dumb. So obstacles get in the way. Impatience get in the way. And we've got a third one that we're going to be looking at today in Genesis chapter 18. But as I was, as I was preparing for this, and I was thinking about kind of my own faith journey and my ability to kind of fully trust in God. I was, uh, I was reminded of this because I get this question a lot. I've gotten it both from both of my older daughters. I get it a lot from everywhere I've ever been. I did college ministry, every church I've been a part of. You know, because lots of times pastors and people would just kind of speak kind of casually like, you know, and God told me this and I was talking to God and I feel like God told me this. And, and, and you say that enough and then eventually someone comes along and they're like, how, how do you, how does, what is, what do you mean God's talking to you? Like, I don't ever hear him talking to me. What does it mean that God is talking to you? Because I don't, I don't, I don't hear any voice. And so you can just talk to them just kind of like 
how God's moving your spirit through the word, and you're kind of trying to figure out how to close out selfish voices and let kind of God just kind of talk about this. And then they'll always ask the follow-up question. Have you ever heard, Dad, Pastor, Charlie, have you ever heard an audible voice? And, you know, and if you've got an audible voice story where you feel like you've heard the audible voice, yeah, sometimes you're hesitant to share it. Sometimes people would be thinking you're crazy, right? Yeah, I heard a voice once. But I have, I have, I have two. I have two, and, and one, one, one I'm not so sure. I was, I, I've told this, I'm sure, here before. I was really, really angry with God about this situation in Colorado, and I was in this park, and I was yelling at God by myself in this park. It was really an insane moment for me. I was yelling at him. And, and there was this really, it was, it was so soft by contrast to my yelling. I don't know if it was a soft whisper or it was just a voice in my head, but it felt, it felt an, like an external voice. But then I've got this other one, this other story. I was 12 years old, and um, our church would always go up every year to float uh, canoes on the Buffalo River. And so we're, we're going up there, and we're about halfway through. You know, you stop at this, this bank, and you have lunch. And we stopped at this place where the river was really, really fast. And so we did this thing where this friend of my, friend of my parents, Mike, and he was, this, he was this big, stocky guy. I mean, he was maybe like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, but 250 pounds of just pure meanness and bulk. And, I mean, not, he wasn't fat at all. He was just this wad of muscle. So he would just kind of stand in the middle of this raging river, and it was just like nothing. You know, it's like he's, he's, nothing's moving. So we would get, you know, 50 yards ahead, and then we would kind of get into the river and then fly really fast and just go boop, and then he'd take you and just throw you to the side, right? So you're just running into Mike, and he's just throwing you. It was awesome. It was a whole lot of fun, right? And um, so he left. He'd gotten tired of kids crashing him, and so he goes and eats, and I was like, I'm just going to do this one more time. It was so much fun flying down there. And so, so I get in, and, 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 you know, you don't have Mike to stop you, so then suddenly you're stopping yourself swimming. And then because I'm 12 and an idiot, and you're going to, you know, judge me, I guess. But I, 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 I was like, okay, well, now i got to stop. And so I started swimming upstream. And, of course, that doesn't work. And, and I'm starting to get really tired, and, and now I'm starting to panic. And so tired plus panic plus a bad idea to begin with, like all around, and now I'm in a lot of trouble. And, and as much as a 12-year-old can, I'm thinking, man, this, this is it. This is it. I'm about, to, I'm about to die. And then I hear someone yell, swim to the other side. Great idea. Swim to the side. And um, so, again, this is how stupid I was. All the people are over here. There's not even a bank over here. There's just trees, right, as I swam this way. And, um, and, but at least I have a plan now, as, as poorly implemented as it was. And I swim over there, and I'm like, I'm okay. And so I look back over at the shore to see what kind person just saved my life by giving me this plan. And no one over there has taken any notice of me. There's no one. And so whoever it was, I mean, they see a 12-year-old almost dying, and they say my name, and then just kind of keep going about their business. Like, you see a 12-year-old about to die, and you give them advice. You, you see it all the way through, don't you? No one had any idea I was over there. No one. Finally, as I'm kind of walking up on the, around these trees to kind of get to an easier place to cross, someone does finally notice me and says, there's snakes over there. I'm like, 
You have no idea. Snake, I would, I'll take snake bite any day. I almost died. Like no one had any idea. And I'm 100% convinced that the yelling I heard was, from the vo- was a voice of God. I mean, there was, there was just no way. No one over there, no one anywhere had any idea that I had almost died. Yet the, one of the loudest yells I had ever heard, even if one person did, everybody else would have heard that voice. It was that loud. But I'm the only one that heard it. And no one there made it. And I believe 100% the God of the universe saved my life that day. That he looked at me at the point in which I was about to die and he said, not, not today, buddy. And, and, I'm, and I've been thinking about this story a lot and it actually causes me a little bit of anxiety because you just start playing the what-if scenarios. And so, but as I think about that story, I mean, if there's ever a moment in my life where it should be very, very clear to me that the God of the universe has a plan and direction for my life, it's in that moment. It is very clear looking back that God had a plan for me. He had an idea for my life. And there was he, his hand was completely and totally on my life. Theoretically, when you hear the loud, booming voice of God, and its assurance is, I have a plan for you, at that point, right, your, your life should no longer have any doubt to it, right? It's the kind of thing that should be an anchor for you for the rest of your life. Where doubt goes away, and, and it's like, once you have that moment, it's, it's, it's a moment that theoretically should carry with you forever. But something happens, doesn't it? We have these moments where God makes himself plainly real to us in the clearest way, but something happens. So something happens here to Abraham and Sarah in Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18, starting in verse 1. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. This is kind of a weird little story here. So so Abraham is sitting there just right outside of his tent. It's really hot. And these three people walk by, and and the narrator of this story makes it very clear that it is God that appeared to him and these three people. And so, and then apparently Abraham's first reaction to it makes it very clear too. He looks at them and recognizes these are not just three dudes coming to them. He immediately runs to them, begins to bow down and worship to them, and calls, calls, calls him Lord. And so it's very clear from the telling of this story that this is God in the flesh has come to them. God in human form has come to them uh, to talk. And so he, he, is, he is overwhelmed, and he is inviting them in um, for, for dinner. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. I just want to make sure that we're following kind of the gist of the story. Verse 6. 
So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seahs of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set them set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where's your wife Sarah, they asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. So God had promised him a son, and God promised him that he was going to have this great lineage, but had never before now given him any sort of date of any kind. And in fact, it has been dozens of years now, and, and, and nothing has happened. And so now, for the first time, he's coming in kind of with this, this promise of a time frame. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid. Yeah, I would imagine. Like, can you imagine, like, God's, like, in your presence, like, physically in your presence, and you laugh at him, and you think he doesn't hear you? I mean, like, well, that, there's a lot theologically wrong with that, right? I mean, it's God. He probably he didn't have to be there to hear you. But anyway, and then he's like, why did she laugh? I, so she lied. said, I did not laugh. And then he said, yes, you did laugh. And that's where the story ends. That's it. That's it. I don't know what happens next. Like, it goes on next to Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, the three visitors are there talking to Abraham about Sodom and Gomorrah, which is a story you may or may not be familiar with. It ends right there. It just ends like, I didn't laugh. Mm -hmm, Yeah, you did. And that's it. I I imagine she's still scared. I mean, I don't don't know what, I mean, it's it's wild. So he comes to them and it's like, for the first time, he has this this assurance. Like, hey, within the next year, within the next year, you're going to have a son. And then she, insulting herself and her husband, be like, listen, I'm all, I'm all, I'm, what is, what is exactly what he said? I'm worn out, which is, which is an interesting way for an old woman to refer to herself. I'm worn out, and he's old. There's no way, and I really, no way. Why is she laughing? Why does she say no way? Is there anything that's too hard for me? I mean, can you imagine? She, she is, they're in the presence of God. And, and this is what happens in the presence of God. And he's given her this promise. So this is, an inter- this is an interesting story. It's an interesting insight kind of into Abraham and Sarah's faith journey. As they're trying to figure out, really, walking to completion, this, this incredible promise that God has made. Not only just to go to this land, but to be overwhelmingly blessed with descendants and become this great nation. It's an interesting moment for them. And so to make sure that we kind of really comprehend and fully understand what's happening to them in this moment and really how it applies to us in our own journey, let's make sure we understand a couple of the really, I think, the most significant details of this, of this story. And the first one is this, is, is, that, is that Abraham and Sarah, they were, they were face-to-face with God. Face-to-face. Face-to-face with God. He was, he was right there. And it wasn't that they were confused about it. As soon as Abraham saw these three guys come, he he immediately knew God is here. Abraham knew, sure passed the news on to Sarah, and and they were face to face with him. 
Now, I'll talk about this in a moment, but we're going to have a little pause, a little parenthesis here, because I feel like it's important. Maybe it's not, but it is. You, are you ready for a fancy word, fancy word of the day? It's kind of a theological term about what's going on here, because this is actually kind of a really weird, kind of cool thing that, that God would come in a human form. And so here's your fancy word of the day, people who write stuff down, right? Your fancy word of the day today, it, it, it's, it's Christophany, okay? Christophany. You see, you kind of got, you got, got Christ right there in there, right? I should, be, I should be on the other side. Anyways. Christophany, right? And so essentially, um, this is the appearance of Jesus before his mama named him Jesus. Because God the Father says he's a spirit and he has nothing to see. And, and the Holy Spirit, obviously, the same way. But, 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 but God the Son, Jesus, ha- has a human appearance. He becomes a human. And so there's all these times in the Old Testament where God, in the, in, as a human, comes and visits people. Sometimes an angel comes, and that's different. And they come to worship the angel, and the angel, don't worship me, I'm just an angel. I'm just here to tell you some stuff. This guy accepts worship. Joshua is visited by what's called the angel of the Lord, this messenger from the Lord, worships him, doesn't refuse that worship, and then begins to talk about God's plan in the first person. This is what I'm going to do. And so there's several of these times where Isaac's wrestling with, um, and it says he's wrestling with God. This stranger meets him in the middle of the, of the night and starts wrestling. It's a weird story. But we have these times where, where Jesus himself is what we believe, that Jesus himself is coming face-to-face and interacting with these people before he comes uh, fully in um, the New Testament. So that's what that is, the Christophany. And so they have this thing where, 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 where they're right there with God face-to-face. You know, and, and maybe it's not face-to-face, but I have a moment like that, too. Where without one doubt in my mind, and I have, I promise you, I overanalyze things way more than normal people. I've analyzed that story from every possible angle, and, and there's no way for me to come to any other conclusion that the God of the universe in an audible voice spoke to me and said, Hey, that way. Swim to the side. And so I have this moment, this kind of anchor, or at least what should be an anchor in my life, of where it is very clear and obvious that the God of the universe is real and has a direct plan for my life. And the same is true here for Abraham and Sarah. They've already seen God do a whole lot. They've already seen God rescue them from a lot of different situations and bless them in overwhelming ways. And now they've got this face-to-face encounter with God himself. This is what God has done to reassure his promises to them. And he's done the same for you. There is a moment or moments in your life where you can say for certain, at this moment I knew God was real. Because of the way these circumstances, of the thing that he said, this thing that he did, the way this played out, it is very clear to me that God is real and he's interested in my life. Everybody's story is going to be a little bit different. Even if you're at the very, very beginning of your faith journey, my guess is you've got some sort of story. Maybe it's the one that brought you here the first time. Something in your life that kind of acts as this anchor. And I think it's important for us to keep those stories at the front of our mind. And and, and to have these things at the front of our mind where I'm thinking, you know, there are these moments where God has made himself very clear of his existence and his interest personally in me. 
And again, he did this for Abraham and Sarah in, in, in a tremendous way, face to face with them. But even though Abraham and Sarah were face to face with God, they were face to face with God, yet they doubted. But they still doubted. And, 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 and on its face, it just seems so weird. Like, I'm face to face with God. I'm like, ah, you're not really capable of stuff. Hey, creator of the universe, blah, 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 come down in a human form. Do all I don't, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not feeling it. And this is not the only time something like this happens. There's an incredible story at the end of, Ma- of Matthew. It's right before Jesus gives the Great Commission. This is kind of his commissioning to all of us, telling us what, our church, what the church's mission is. And so he set the stage. Jesus has died on the cross, just like he predicted, and has come back to life. So he was dead. They saw him die. They buried him in a tomb. They went to that tomb. There's no body in there. But instead, he's walking around with, with holes in his hands from the cross and in his eye. He's just walking around like, a, like there he is. And he's been talking to them for the last month. And they obviously know that it's Jesus, the Jesus who had died. And after like a month of this, he gathers them one last time, and he's like, kind of say goodbye. And it says, and that some worshipped, but some doubted. Like, what? I mean, like, Jesus, he right there. He, he right there. He was dead, now he's not dead, and not dead right there in front of you. Like, I don't know. Who knows what this could be? We could all be imagining this. Maybe I just don't want to believe. Maybe I'm scared of what you're going to say next. Maybe maybe I think you're going to tell me something to do I don't want to do. But this doubt creeps in. And I here's the thing that I think that we naively tell ourselves. Is that somehow if God were more clear, if somehow God made his presence more known in a more obvious way, if only God would blank, then I would believe and never doubt him again. And that there's something that we think that he could do, should do, and that if he were to do it, then, then, then my faith would be solid forever. God, if you would only fix this problem. God, if you'd only show yourself. God, if I could only have just one little hear your voice story like what he talked about. If, 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 if. We put all these ifs. And if God would only blank, then I would be faithful forever. And I'm telling you, there is historical evidence to say that that's not the case, that that is not your problem. That's not my problem. That's not our problem. In the face of overwhelming evidence, we will still look at God and go, I don't know. I don't know. There's a fear. There's an anxiety. There's a forgetfulness. There's a lack of trust. There's this doubt that kind of is just is just in us. And even though we all have our version of our story where God has made himself real and plain and evident to us, there's something that happens where, where we forget. We forget the, the past faithfulness of God. And we don't allow the past faithfulness of God to inform the present faithfulness of God or the future hope that we have in God. And so we have this situation here with Sarah and Abraham where they've seen God do great things, but now, after what now, again, years and years of unfulfillment, they have famine, they are waiting, 
they, 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 they come up with their own bad idea. That all these things have happened. And now, I mean, when the promise started, she was probably already worn out and he was old. Now she's extra worn out and he's super old. And, and they just can't. Even though they've seen all this faithfulness, none of this past faithfulness is informing their current situation and what they expect God to do in the future. And this is what happens to us. We have this, but right now, this is bad. And this doesn't have anything to do with this. I just know I'm discouraged now. I just know I don't believe God now. And if there's a big picture idea that I want you to walk away with today, that I want you to hold on with you and I want you to keep it forever, it's a very simple idea. Remember and believe. Remember and believe. Remember the faithfulness of God in your life. Remember when you saw God show up. Remember that. Remember that thing that God did for you. And then let it be an anchor in your life. Something that you are holding on to for the rest of your life. Where I'm going to say that I, I, because God did this, I trust and believe that no matter what is happening here, God is going to continue to be faithful. Because here's the promise that God has made to you. The promise that God has made to you is that He wants to bring you life. That He wants to give you peace. He wants to do the same thing that he did for Abraham. We talked about this a few weeks ago, that that he's looking for these funnels where he can pour blessing into, and he wants to overwhelm you with blessing so that you can take that blessing to the whole world. That's what God's wanting to do. He's wanting to heal that brokenness in you. He is wanting to repair the relationships that you're struggling with. He is wanting to bring you life and hope and newness. That is what he's wanting to do. And you need to remember the faithfulness that you've seen from God in your past. And let that faithfulness say that no matter what is happening now, I still have faith and trust that God is going to bless me in the future. We cannot let our present circumstances prevent us from believing in the future faithfulness of God. They were, they were face-to-face with him in his presence. And he makes this promise, yet they doubted. And there are some of you right now, it's like, man, God wants to do this awesome thing in your life. He wants to bless you. He wants to heal you. He wants to restore you. He, he, want, he wants you to experience this new life with Jesus Christ. And he wants you to bless you in such a way that the entire world is going to be blessed through you. I don't know, man. I don't know. That sounds like the kind of thing that happens that maybe Abraham, David, maybe Paul, super Bible people. Maybe if it happens today, it's like pastors and missionaries and really super Christian types. I'm just ordinary. I'm just a regular guy. I'm just a regular woman. I'm just trying to make it. And no matter what we see, no matter what we experience from God, whatever matter we don't, we don't allow ourselves to truly believe that the promises of God are for me. And I'm here to tell you, 
that God has promised life for you. He has promised to do incredible things in your life and through your life. And we cannot allow today's obstacles, today's impatience, or today's doubting to prevent us from continuing to journey on through faith. Now, I know a lot of the stories. I look out and I see stories. And I know some of the things that we're going through. And I know that just like Abraham and Sarah, it's been years. But I'm telling you, God's faithful. He is still as faithful today as he was in that anchor story. And I don't care how long it's been. The God of the universe is going to show up in your life and do something amazing and bless you and bless the world through you. Now this happens every now and then. I'm up here and I'm preaching and when I'm done I'm like, I think I just preached a message that was just for me. Like this is what I needed to hear. Because I've seen God do awesome things in my life and yelling at me to learn how to swim is just the beginning, right? I've seen God do incredible things. But sometimes I just get overwhelmed and I'm just like, God, oh, really? Are we still doing this? Is this really, are we, are you still even there? Have you kind of moved on to something else? And I get overwhelmed and I get discouraged. I needed to hear this today. So this is one of those deals where I just like, I just pray maybe like three other people, maybe it's like the four of us together heard a good message today. But the reality of it is, no matter where we are in our faith journey, even those who are still waiting to start it. And we just, we allow life to keep us from preventing, to keep us from believing that God has something else for us. A life under His favor and His blessing and His prosperity. A life where we get to be used by the God of the universe to bring hope to a world that is incredibly broken. That's what he's wanting to do in your life. So find that anchor. That moment where you just felt like more than anything, you knew that God was real. And hold on to that. Hold on to it every day for the rest of your life and believe that the faithfulness of God will continue to show up in your life in the future. So we have time to respond just like we always do. We have some awesome time of worship got all these ways to respond in the back. Communion is available. Prayer team would love to pray with you. There's prayer candles to pray at the cross. I mean, lots of ways. But let's just ask God. Let's just ask God to give us that, remind us, help us remember that time where he was the most real. And then help us to ask him. God, help that stay real and help me to allow that to, to overcome this current level of uncertainty and discouragement. And if you're here today and you just, it's like, man, I'll be honest, man, I, I don't know that I've, I've even had my first moment or encounter with God today. I'll make, I'll make this deal with you. You say right now to God, like, God, I don't know what that dude's talking about. Um, but I want you to be real in my life. You ask Him to do that, you ask Him to show you the truth and the reality of His Son, Jesus Christ, and the death that He died for you and the life that He wants to give you through that death, you ask God to do that, He'll show up. He will. And then you'll have your anchor moment. But even still, even if you are not even have never really given your life fully to Jesus, 
I believe that you have something that you can hold on to that has convinced you that God is real. And He's wanting you to take that next step with Him. He's wanting us to remember who He is, what He's done, and believe that His faithfulness will continue forever. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for these awesome people here. And God, between both services, God, I just know that there's so many stories from people who are here who are still skeptical about whether or not faith in you through your son Jesus Christ is even the right way to go. And God, I pray that you will remind them of how you've already shown yourselves to them. And God, I pray that you would show yourself to them in a, in a big way very soon to show them that life is found in your Son, Jesus Christ. And God, I know that we have people here who are in the middle of a very discouraging journey. And like Abraham and Sarah waiting years and years and years, they're discouraged. And their instinct when they hear that you are faithful and want to do awesome things in their life their instinct is to laugh. God, I confess I've laughed. That I've allowed my discouragement to get the best of me. But God, I pray wherever it is we are on our faith journey, that God, that we would have as an anchor in our lives the faithfulness that we have seen from you. And we will hold on to that and believe and trust that, God, that your faithfulness will continue for years and years and years to come. We thank you for your son Jesus who makes it possible. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.